Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. And I know normally we do the 247 post-game recap, two key players, four takeaways, seven questions. We're going to guess you don't really care. We're going to guess that you have moved on to to the Ohio State game. Uh, frankly, I mean, Steve pointed this out before the show. Aiden Hutchinson even said the team wasn't discussing the game in the locker room. They were they were already moved on to Ohio State. And that's, that's not a slight at Indiana. I mean, I think Michigan took the game seriously. I think they played well. And we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll sprinkle it in. But... That's just the nature of the beast. This is this is the game. They literally call it capital T the capital G game. So it's so we'll do that. What, what we're gonna do in this podcast, we're gonna have five early questions. So uh, they're not gonna be. I mean, we haven't been able to watch. Uh, well, Steve's actually watched a few Ohio State games. I I still have to do kind of my digging, my researching, my my film watching, things like that. Uh, but I but I've watched uh, you know a decent amount. So we'll. We'll kind of talk about the Michigan side of things, a little bit of the Ohio State side of things. We'll also have a preview podcast on Wednesday. It'll be earlier this week, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. But we can go ahead and get started. And since I just wrote about him, I think I think I want to start here. First question, has Shea Patterson closed the quarterback gap? And so really... You know, you want to look at. There's a lot of different things Ohio State has done well, and we'll we'll explore some of them later on. But the bottom line is, when was the last time Michigan had a better quarterback than Ohio State in this matchup? Was it maybe 2011, the last time they won? I do think Devin Gardner probably played like the better quarterback in in 2013. But really, I mean, they've you know Ohio State has done a really phenomenal job. Uh, getting Big Ten Player of the Year type quarterbacks year in and year out. And Fields really looked the part most of the season. I don't think he's fallen off either. He's thrown for at least two touchdowns in every single game. He has a 33-1 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. He's he's shown why he was, uh, the, what, the third-best quarterback recruit in the composite era behind Vince Young and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's, he's, he's done really, really well. But has Shea closed that gap a little bit? It's hard to say he hasn't at least closed it a little bit. Throwing for 750 yards and nine touchdowns the last two weeks. You know, dropping dropping dimes in the end zone, hitting receivers in stride. Uh, you know, even when he has to get rid of the ball quickly, he's able to, to keep the spiral tight, keep the throw accurate. He's not perfect, but he's been really, really good. I mean... I think the last two weeks, you'd be hard-pressed to say anyone in the Big Ten has played better at quarterback. And so, Steve, you've you've watched a little bit more fields, both as a recruit and what he's done at Ohio State. Is that is that gap a little bit narrower? Is that is I mean, I don't know if it's fair to call it even, because Shay, you know, the early season struggles aren't irrelevant. But he is playing quite well. I mean, what do you, what do you think of the difference between the two? Well, like you said, I mean, the gap has to have closed just based on the fact that Patterson's played at a higher level the last three or four weeks. I think the thing about Fields and this, you know, people listening out there, this is probably going to be my theme all week. You know, we'll probably be talking, I think, what, Tuesday or Wednesday, doing our preview for the game. I think Fields really benefits from Ohio State having an excellent running game. 
and that's not to, I'm not taking anything away from him because he's actually part of that running game. Uh, but the theme for Ohio State and watching them all year long is that they've really nobody's been able to slow that running game down early, and it's allowed them to open things up in the passing game and made life a lot easier for him. Uh, but he's also, in my opinion, has also progressed as a passer throughout the season. You know, I think there was a like the touchdown to Hill against Penn State. You know, was broken down pretty well by the analysts in that game. But you know, a perfect look off the safety, throw it over the top. It was a beautiful pass. You know, so he's also progressed. But as far as the gap goes, I mean, it has closed. I mean, Patterson's played his best football. I think we've seen him play in a Michigan uniform the last three, four weeks, really since, you know, and I think this has been the theme is since the second half of the Penn State game, right, where everything started to, quote, click for the Michigan offense. Yeah, I'm a little tired of that narrative. I mean, maybe maybe it's just because I'm in all the press conferences for it. Right, and it's it's beaten to death on the telecast as well. But at the Mm. same time, you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, when you're talking about something as much like that, that it's got to be at least partially true, and, and it has. The offenses look different since that point. Patterson among it, you know, although they didn't need him a lot against Notre Dame, he was still efficient, still made a lot of great throws, or, well, the few throws he had to make were good. And uh, so I think the gap has closed. Here's the thing. Patterson's playing well enough right now to where if he plays like that again on Saturday, there's no doubt that Michigan can win the football game, right? And I think that's really the most important question. You know, is where is he relative to Fields? I mean, the statistics. Yeah, thirty-three to one is pure insanity. You know, he's only thrown one interception all season. is is crazy. Like, I don't care who you're playing, what offense you're in, whether you have the running game or not, or you know, you could be having the. You could have Barry and Emmett in the backfield, and thirty-three to one intercept uh, touchdown interception ratio is still amazing. So. You know, he's, he's done an, an awesome job of utilizing uh, his abilities in running Ryan Day's offense to, you know, borderline perfection so far. So, you know, so he's might be a situation where he might get his to some extent. But but again, if I think the bigger thing is, is that Patterson is now playing at a level that is going to, in my opinion, give Michigan a legitimate chance as long as he plays at that level on Saturday. And... I don't know if we could have said that, what, four, five weeks ago, right? I mean, at four or five weeks ago, I don't think we'd be talking about it like that. And, no. <laughs> and Right? And so the fact that he's come along as, as far as – and really, actually, Zach, and maybe you – maybe correct me on the timing here, but when Harbaugh said that the offense was starting to come around and people were kind of chuckling and laughing, that really kind of feels like the point where things started to turn around, not just – as a whole offensively, but for Patterson and yeah. Right. And so, you know, to me, like I said, two good quarterbacks, two great quarterbacks, maybe. And, and if, whether the gap is closing or not, which again, I think it, it has to be, I think the bigger thing is, is that Shea has given Michigan a legitimate chance to win on Saturday based on just the strides that he's made in the last three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as the timing, I mean, I've, I wrote about it, I think, after the Notre Dame game, is that, yeah, you know, Illinois, Penn State, Notre Dame, I, I, you know, they lost to Penn State, but you could see there was difference. And then I believe it was after the Penn State game, somebody asked Shea Patterson, where is this offense right now? And he 
he had this grin. He said, right where we want to be. And I, I figured he was just kind of shutting down a question that obviously was meant to kind of kind of a gotcha type question. But he's played really well since then. He's looked like he's right where he wants to be. So, yeah, the question to me on Shea, it's more of a Shea thing than a, than a Justin thing, where I think I think Patterson has really stepped up his game, kind of kind of played like a five-star transfer. You know, and Fields has played like a five-star transfer all year. So one thing I'm noticing, though, and you can correct me if this is off base, but some of the, what I would call the tougher defenses Ohio State has played this year, so not Rutgers, not Maryland, not Nebraska. There, Fields has looked very efficient, but I don't think he's looked amazing. I mean, I'm looking, they, when they played at Indiana, he was 14 for 24 for 199 yards. Against Wisconsin at home, he was 12 for 22 uh, for 187 yards. Against Michigan State, well, he was pretty good at Michigan State, but his rating was down 17 for 25 for 206, two touchdowns, and then that one interception. Uh, Penn State, well, Penn State, he was pretty clean. I don't know. Do you do you sense anything? Is like, do you think some of his efficiency numbers are padded a little bit? I, mean, I, I guess everybody's are to an extent, right? But. Yeah, no, I do. I I think they are absolutely. And then again, here's the thing, and another theme that we're probably gonna talk about a little bit this week is, you know, they haven't really faced a difficult road matchup at mm-hmm. all. You know, you had Wisconsin, Penn State. Michigan State on the road, or at home, I'm sorry. And all three of those teams, and this is where coaching maybe maybe comes into play a little bit, you know, is all three of those teams had pretty decent amount of success, I'd say, through the first two quarters of each of those games. Now, Penn State, it was the second and third quarter, maybe a little bit of the fourth. You know, but Wisconsin, Michigan State played Ohio State really well in the first half of each of those games. Right. And you know, whether it was adjustments or whatever that allowed them to get away in the second half, you know, and that, like you said, you bring up those numbers. It's where I go back to like, I think stopping Dobbins because none of those teams, Penn state a little bit, but ultimately I think Dobbins really kind of the guy that the cog, you know, Michigan fans know. And that's the other thing I jokingly talk about one of the, and I, you know, people get mad at this, but one of the traditions lately when Michigan plays Ohio State is whoever their running back is always seems to break like a 60-65 yard touchdown yeah, in the fourth true. quarter of every game, whether it's Beanie Wells or Weber or Elliott or whoever, Dobbins, you know, and that's one of the things. And so, and that's really, again, it's always, I, you know, I wrote yesterday, I wrote last night, is in a lot of ways – what Ohio, where Ohio State is succeeding is not really much different than what they did under Meyer in that they have a sort of a bowling ball running back who gets them yardage consistently and then breaks a few uh, breaks a few and it just opens everything up for their athletes on the outside. So, again, I kind of went off a little bit, but it's with Fields, I just, those, the teams that have slowed Dobbins down at least a little bit have had a little bit more success as far as defending him in the past. And and I'll tell you the other thing, too. Here's the one thing. And we talk about last year's game and people eat, keep going to the crossing route stuff. You know, I just, not saying I fully disagree, but 
I don't think Dwayne Haskins literally may not have been touched in that game last year. And Fields, right. in most of the in, in almost every game that I've watched them, has basically gotten to operate from a clean pocket and has been able to wait for you know do his make his reads and then wait for an open guy. He has not been hit consistently in any game this year. And that makes it so much it makes it so much easier. You know, it was like I saw Penn State, I think Michigan State, like I said, force was the one inter, the one interception that he's thrown. It's when they were getting pressure. He was very, very mortal when there was any pressure in his face. And that's eliminating his the running aspect of his game. Mm-hmm. Which again, that's a whole nother issue or whatever. But from a passing standpoint, I wouldn't say pedestrian, but very average when they're able to get pressure on him. So, yeah, I mean, it's. I think the things. I think it's been a little bit. Again, you can't. You can't take away thirty-three to one, but at the same time, you know. I, again, I, I still don't think they've taken on a defense that says multifaceted and is fast on all three levels as what Michigan is. I guess. Oh, what a what a good segue there. So our next question is: Is Michigan's defense better equipped than last year to slow down Ohio State's offense? So one caveat I'll throw in there too: It looks like it's going to be another rainy, snowy type game uh, in Ann Arbor based on the early forecast. But but as you mentioned, they they have speed. They have a really speed at every position. Like they, you know, Michigan has a couple really fast guys. Multiply it by three or four. That's kind of what Ohio State's working with. They have the low, fewest yards they have run for this year is 221 against Rutgers, 227 against Miami, Ohio. Everyone else, they've they've just put up 250, 300, in a couple cases even more. Uh, against Michigan State's run defense that was, you know, it's pretty highly touted, kept Michigan's rush offense intact or in check. They ran for 323 yards on 6.6 yards per carry and two touchdowns. So they have that. They have the passing game that we mentioned. They have receivers all over the place. The offensive line is better. But I'll tell you what, to answer this question, I think Michigan's defense is better equipped. I think we've talked about it. The slot coverage is just a little bit more speed. I think I think Hawkins and, and Hill, Dax Hill that is, are a speed upgrade over Tyree Kindle and Brandon Watson. I think that, uh, you know, the defensive line, I don't know if it's officially better, but be it a health issue, be it, uh, you know, just execution, they're performing better than last year's defensive line. They're getting more pressure. They're, And this is, this is against the same kind of opponents. They're getting more pressure. They're getting more sacks. Uh, they're disrupting more. This is Michigan's best run defense. Here's a stat. It's been eight games since they allowed a, a carry of, 20 yards or more. I mean, that is just, to me, that is just surreal. They're at, they're allowing 2.8 yards per carry right now. Another running back, Stevie Scott, another running back who came in with very strong numbers and he was held to 54 yards on 13 carries. And so, um, oh, Samson James got a little bit of run there. Samson James is actually they. He's gonna be a good player for them. He was yeah, a, he was an Ohio State commit, right? Yeah, top one hundred ish type guy. Uh, Michigan recruited him for a little bit. I don't think he was a fit there, but uh, I think he's gonna be a really good player for them. But point stands. Right. Point point that I was trying to make was 
Michigan has taken, you know, taken Elijah Collins, take a, um, oh, the Notre Dame running back's name escapes me, Tony Jones, Jones Jr. Jr., yep. Yeah, they've taken... Journey Brown. You know, uh, McFarland from Maryland. I mean, they've taken a lot of these different running backs and it really shut them down. Really, you know, just kind of... You're not you're not getting Reggie Corbin, who had what, 1,100, 1,200 yards last year for Illinois. So there's that. I think the pass rush is better. And I think, you know, Indiana did kind of pick on Dax Hill a little bit, so I'm sure Michigan's hoping to get Brad Hawkins back. But yeah, it just seems like their their slot coverage is is it's it's at least faster. It might not be as experienced or as as heady, I guess would be the word. But there is a little bit more speed there. So so to my answer, I, I think so. I think they are miss you know. Devin Bush can neutralize a lot of things, and and David Long, uh, we've we've gushed about him plenty on these podcasts. I think as a as a entire unit, though, I do think the defense is better equipped. I agree. I think again, I think it comes down to, and here's the thing: here's where the athleticism in the in the back four can help. In that, again, I I with last year, I go back to the fact that Michigan's front four got zero pressure and whether or not Brandon Watson Kinnell uh, whether those guys struggled or not the fact is is that Haskins had all day and another day to throw you know because Michigan's front four did not get any pressure whether it was four or five whatever so really the biggest question two biggest questions for me all it all comes up front can the interior step up and at least slow down Ohio State's running game. And then can those can the other guys, can Uche, because you know, I think Uche, Hutchinson, Pei, those guys at least, they they have to speed up the process, I guess the best way to put it, right? right? They have to speed up the process a little bit and make Fields or whoever make a decision faster than they normally would. And that's where, yeah, where Michigan has more athleticism in that back in the back four, back five, however, whatever they decide to run, you know, can make up that ground a little bit easier than the, maybe the, the unit they had out there last year. And that's where I think when you when the question is if they're better, better equipped or not, I think overall they are, but I still think it comes down to, you know, this, I think, uh, how do I say it? The, we give credence to that. Provided we believe that Michigan's front four will get a little bit more pressure than they got last year. I tend to believe they will because I think across the board, I just think that they've been more effective as pass rushers. Last year it was basically, you know, Winovich or Rashawn at 80%. You know, if those guys weren't getting pressure, then Michigan was in trouble. This year I just feel like they have – there's – they're just deeper. And that's, you know, that's what we said at the beginning of the year. We got laughed. I don't know if we got laughed at. Maybe somebody somewhere laughed one time. But, <laughs> you know, but you know what I mean? We said we said going into the year, though, that I thought maybe the defensive line would be deeper from top to bottom, or at least the pass rushers. Because Uche is, you know, even they even said in the telecast on Saturday, there's really no, you know, he's in, he plays his own position. He's the Uche. You know, it's like there's really no <laughs> position that he plays, but... You know, basically, they like to get him after the quarterback. Um, that they, maybe they're t- they're deeper from top to bottom. So, I you know I do think they're better equipped, but 
it really just still comes down to whether that front four answers the bell. They're better equipped in the back four to answer the bell if the front four doesn't do their job. And I think that, and that's a possibility, I suppose, right? I mean, we don't mm-hmm. know. We'll see, but uh, they are more athletic. And we've been saying that for weeks, so haven't we? Talking about their, yeah, you know, yeah. that the guys like McGrone, who again, not matching Bush, but, you know, Glasgow's obviously gotten better. You put Hill in there and Hawkins. Those guys are the the athleticism in the back four has gotten much higher in the last, you know, twelve months. You add McGrone in there, and then like I said, the front line. I think top to bottom, I think they are more athletic. It's not just one or two guys that are carrying the load as far as pass rush. There's multiple guys that are making plays back there. Mike Dana still the most the unsung hero of this defense all year, in my opinion. A guy that. Grad transfers always kind of get not crapped on, but like people don't expect much because Michigan's had a couple defensive backs come in and not do much. You know, we said he'd be more of a Rudock than he would be a uh, just say other guys that have come in, hmm. and and he's completely been that. And so I, you know, I just uh, yeah, no, I think I think uh, I think they are more equipped. Just got to answer, you know, just got to do it one more time, I guess. It's really yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, Ohio State, they're better in a lot of ways, too. They have 73 offensive touchdowns this season. I just saw that. Um, that's insane. But they, they've already run for thirty over 3,100 yards. You know, we mentioned Fields and how efficient he's been. Yeah, I mean, it, it you know, they're averaging, like, around, basically one turnover per game, which is pretty good, uh, especially considering that they have... 313 first downs. Right. My goodness. So say the three fumbles, <laughs> I want to say that they said the three lost fumbles they had against Penn State, it was the first time in over 10 years that Ohio State's had three lost fumbles in one game. Hmm. I don't care. Again, I still think that's like, I don't know, it goes into part of the luck. You could be the most talented team in the country. It's crazy that you haven't lost three fumbles in one game in over 10 years. I mean, that's, that's, that's insane. You know, and, and yeah. that... Because that game, that's the thing. Is It's one of the other things I've been kind of thinking a lot about is that really I don't think that game was as close as the score indicated. Ohio State probably could have, should have been up at about 28 to zip at halftime. Credit to Penn State. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. They capitalized when the turnovers occurred. And a couple, I think uh, the first one for sure was a, a great play by the defender. But... You know, twenty-eight to seventeen. I don't know if that tells the whole story necessarily. No, right. No. I mean, Ohio State had hundred and ninety more yards. Yeah. They almost doubled up Penn State's yardage. And I also, like I said, I mean, we, I think we've talked about it in here. I just, I know they beat Michigan. I, I think if they played again, I think Michigan would beat them. I just, I, I do not think that Penn State's that good. I'm sorry, but I just, I don't. Did not yeah, think. Yeah, I, I generally agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I generally agree. We'll talk talk a little bit more about um, what Ohio State does offensively, but but they do seem to have an improved offensive line. I think their running back play has improved. So so there's a few variables. So better equipped maybe is is an oversimplified question, but I think we're both in agreement. There's a little bit more athleticism, a little bit more net speed. You know, they lost some speed with their defensive ends. They lost some speed with with Devin Bush, but they have more speed at some spots, and they have comparable speed at a few key spots. Next question, 
are the Wolverines hungrier? So generally, it, like if you if you run into me somewhere around town, uh, don't ask me about the Michigan not being hungry enough against Ohio State. I think that is the most overplayed. Like I don't know who started that, but there's just this common belief that Michigan is one in fourteen against Ohio State because of hunger. Now don't don't quite totally address why they're one in fourteen because we that's our next question. But I I brought it up because I don't know about you, Steve. I have noticed on the record, off the record, you know, I've written more stories about Ohio State before this week than I ever have. Uh, you, know, the, you know, Ben Bredesen kind of brought it up on his own at Big Ten Media Days. Chris Partridge brought it up in spring ball, talking about blood in his mouth, uh, thinking about it. And, and Ben Bredesen called the, the 0-3 that he has embarrassing. Cleek Hudson said something pretty similar there. And then during the season, granted, I think a couple times players were asked, so they're going to provide answers. But you just kind of get the sense that last year might have been the most embarrassed Michigan football has been, possibly. I mean, with everything on the line and just getting blown out like that, not their worst loss considering how good Ohio State was. But as far as the egg on the face, embarrassed kind of game, that might have been that might have been the one that hurt the players the most, from what I've been able to gather. Um, so I do I do think they're hungrier. I don't think it makes that much of a difference. It probably doesn't hurt. You know, it's if if a team is more hungry to beat somebody that you know we've seen the revenge tour. We've seen kind of the reverse revenge tour with Penn State and Wisconsin. Um, you know, we saw how Notre Dame and, and Michigan, how, how Michigan just really wanted penance against the Fighting Irish. But Steve, I, you've got you've got a good grasp on the, the vibe in Schembechler Hall. I mean, any sense for for the hunger, if there's if it's increased, if it's the same, is this a completely overblown topic? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, I, th- I think they went into last year's game. It's PG-13. I think they thought they were going to go in and kick kick their ass last year. I really think that's what they thought. Whether, whether it was because Michigan was playing well or the players and team were cognizant of Ohio State maybe looking very average. I mean, you got to remember, Terrell Pigrom makes a better two-point conversion throw in the end zone, has a wide-open receiver. Michigan plays in the Big Ten championship game last season, regardless of how that game turns out, right? And mm-hmm. so I think I think Michigan went into Columbus last year expecting to win. Not that, saying there's anything wrong with that mentality, 
And I'm not going to ever say Michigan overlooked Ohio State. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I, I think there was an expectation that they were going to go in there and beat the crap out of them. And, and then they got they got punched in the mouth. And I, I, I agree with you fully. Again, this is like almost a year ago, right? I mean, we had a lot of time to put our ears to the ground, listen, discuss. And, yeah, I mean, I think the mentality – I think the mentality this year is different, but I do agree with you though, is that I don't know how much that's worth or what that actually means as far as Saturday's game goes. And that doesn't, and that's not because I think Ohio state is better or worse or anything like that. It's just, you know, I I don't know. I mean, do they take a page out of Michigan, the Michigan state book? With the disrespect, you know, not disrespect, but just that whole like chip on their shoulder type deal. Is that the route they go with this? Because everybody's been slobbering over Ohio State all season long. And nobody's given, you know, nobody nationally is really going to give Michigan much of a chance on Saturday. I I just, but the mentality is different. It's 100% different. And I do think it's gives them, it's a beneficial difference. But like I said, I don't know tangibly doesn't matter that much or not i don't know it's always been and that's and this is where it kind of comes down to as we talk about with our next question not that i'm the segue guy here but you know it's it's been a players driven game for as long as i can remember and really the ironic thing is and you know a lot of michigan fans don't want to maybe admit this or, or look in the mirror about this is the michigan this michigan staff has more times often than not given them a great shot in this game when the talent discrepancy has been pretty large. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I, the mentality is obviously different though, Zach. I mean, the, the, these are guys that have they've done everything except do this. Right. And they've been close. You know, these are really, this is the first group of Harbaugh's full four year guys, like the guys that he recruited and they've been on the cusp or they've maybe been on the sidelines when they've been on the cusp and seen guys like Wormley and Charlton, you know, the dejection after 16 and then the outcoached in seven or Michigan outcoaching Ohio state in 17 under man, but coming up short and then the debacle in 18. I mean, they've seen all the range of emotions that you could really see in this game, except the one that they want the most, which is to, to win and to Mm -hmm. celebrate. So yeah, I mean, there's, Definitely a chip on the shoulder, I think, but like I said, I don't know. Tangibly, remains to be seen. It, it, you know, I don't know. We, we can get into it. it. It goes like, do they come out hard? Do they come out strong or not? Like that, I think that'll go a long ways in maybe saying, you know, because what, what, on Saturday against Indiana, I think, what, penalties early on, a little bit of mistakes, the jitters, do, mm-hmm. they, do they do that again? Is in the, You know, because they're going to be so fired up. We know they're going to be fired up. And that's where I wonder, that's where you could see the tangible difference. So they come out with a controlled, that a controlled aggression, or do they come out with their hair on fire, which again, sometimes can be to your benefit, sometimes can be to your detriment. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we can just go ahead and transition because it's basically one and the same. I, I do think there's a, I, that's a good point that, you know, the guys on the team, they've seen a little bit more of the 
believing and then having it taken away. Because <laughs> when, when Michigan lost to Ohio State in 2015 and, and 2014 and uh, maybe a little bit, 20, you know, I guess 2013 was down to the wire. So 14 and 15, though, I mean, those were, okay, Ohio State's just on a different planet. 16, 18, and to a lesser extent, 17, there was a little bit more of a, hey, this is, there's something going on here. Uh, obviously, it didn't happen. But the biggest, to I think to both of us, what is what has been the biggest gap? And maybe not so much the 1 in 14. Maybe we could do since 2011, which is equally <laughs> uh, strenuous for Michigan fans, what, 0 and, 0 and 7. What has been the biggest gap? It, it's it's talent. <laughs> Ohio State has 13 five-star players on its team compared to Michigan's four. They have 47 four-star players compared to Michigan's uh, 36. They're number two in the 24-7 sports team talent composite behind only Alabama. Michigan is 11, uh, which is not bad. But obviously, if Ohio State's running laps in the recruiting trail, if Urban Meyer takes the recruiting nationally and they still clean up in Ohio, but they can be a little bit more picky about who they clean up with in Ohio. That's that's why they're going to be good. You know, they're they're I just saw yesterday they they've now won 11 games in 8 straight seasons. That's incredible. Ohio State's never been this good. They have never I think I think only one year during this stretch have they not been a top 6 team at the end of the year. That is that has never happened, and I think that one year it's when they lost to Clemson in a bowl game. They they finished twelfth. I mean, it is just they're on a different level talent wise, and it's not just and certainly it's not oh, just it's not just that though. I mean, here and we've ta- I don't know if we talked about this before, and this isn't this is not sour grapes one bit. They are maybe the one program in all of college football that has avoided that down period where they either a like made the wrong hire or you know just circumstances i mean think about like if you actually sit down and look and think about it is there another program in the country in the last 20 25 years who has avoided just that lull and dull period oklahoma oklahoma's the only one that comes to mind the only one but even then you know, I, I think was it. I don't even know who was there before Stoops, but they're the only ones that are even close. Because even Bama before Saban, obviously LSU, Florida, Florida State right now, USC, Texas, Michigan, Notre Dame. You know, it's like every other major program in college football has gone through like a. Really, if you're if you're an Ohio State football fan, you're maybe the most spoiled college football fan in sports. Or in, in, in the country. As far as, like, if you're, like, a 40-year-old a Ohio State fan, <laughs> you might be the most spoiled college football fan in the country because they have rarely been bad since you've been alive. And there's not another school in the, in the entire country that could maybe say the same thing, right? And so and that's what Michigan's been facing. And it is a talent. There is a, Obviously, there's a talent. I mean, before before we got on, you know what I said about how, you know, the, the the joke, or not the joke, but the thing about, you know, with Chase Young possibly being suspended, you know, the, the retort was that, well, you know, Nick Bosa 
was going to miss, was, you know, wasn't in the game last year. And it was like, well, that was his backup was Chase Young, who's going to be like the number one or number two pick in the NFL draft next year. And then you look, you go down the line and they have Zach Harrison, who's going to, who's, I don't know if he's the his exact backup, but he is a top 10 overall five-star defensive end recruit right out of Columbus, Ohio. And then after that, in 2020, with Jack Sawyer, who for my two cents is the number one player in the 2020 class, who just happens to be already committed to Ohio State and is resides right outside of Columbus, Ohio. You know, and so there's a lot of factors in there, but, you know, that's one of them. And, and again, I don't, again, it's not sour grapes. It's really, it's credit to the program. They've made the right hires. They've, you know, done a lot of the right things for the most part, made a lot of the good, the right decisions. And, and yeah, I mean, they're really the one program that has not kind of hit that temporary wall where they've had to recover or like find that right guy to bring everything back to where it's supposed to be type deal, you know? So yeah, that's what the, um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I do think they have a lot of momentum now, and that's, that's a big credit to Jim Trestle because I think he took, he took over when Michigan, I don't think they had a significant upper hand, but I think, I think they had, they were the, better of the two programs when Jim Trestle came in and since 2002 when they won the national title they have 12 AP top five finishes so that's after the bowl games AP top five finishes Michigan has zero and more more than that Michigan only had only has 15 in its entire history I mean you're talking 70 plus years they only have 15 so yeah, this is you want to talk about spoiled. I mean, yeah, they look at like a a twelve and one season and a Big Ten title, and or like take last year when they went thirteen and one, won the Rose Bowl, won a Big Ten title. You know, beat Michigan worse than they've ever beat Michigan, and there were fans who were like, you know, well, finally we have a coach that can that can actually win a national title more than once in his tenure. It's like unbelievable. Um, I mean, most fans, I think, were pretty happy with last year, but but there were, it's one of those things we're talking about spoiled. Yeah, it, it is, you know, if they lose two games in a season, it's like, oh, is this the downfall? Um, so I've always wondered, like, I've always wondered, like, what, it's like their fan base, will, they'll eat themselves. If, like, they had, like, a four or five loss season, hmm. you know, what would, ha- like, with social media now? Right. Not to be that guy. So I have a question. Not to be that guy. But if you know, with social media now, you know, it's like if they lost five games, I, I don't. It'd be like it'd be it'd be complete insanity. To their credit, I mean, there's some like losers, some major losers, and some real nut jobs within that fan base. I mean, there's a ton of them, but it's also you're also conditioned to believe that your team is gonna, you know, you're gonna win the conference. And probably at least have a chance at the playoff, and then if all of a sudden, you know, you're at four or five losses, it's like, I don't know, what are you, what are you going to do when your self worth is measured by how good your local team does? You know, it's like how are you gonna, how are you gonna cope? And it's like they've never had to, they've never had to do that. It's 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 insane. So, 
I'm just thinking some like, <laughs> yeah, Michigan. Just imagine run run a scenario, and and granted, Michigan fans had trouble coping too when they when they blew a what 16 point lead in the Outback Bowl to South Carolina, sure. finished eight and five. Uh, you know, it's yeah, it's it is interesting because it's like Michigan had like 40 years where they were basically in the same boat. Maybe not as elite. They weren't, you know, they just had the one national title. But kind of in that same boat where it's like you lose twice in a year, it was it was a letdown. Well, and they were uh, beating Ohio State. They were beating Ohio State consistently too at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was never. It wasn't know, dominant. It wasn't. People, there was the Cooper yeah. years, but I'm saying is like it wasn't like it is now, where mm-hmm. it was like, you know, come on. It wasn't just hashtag just beat Ohio State type crap, you know. So so to so to pivot it real quick because we don't need to spend too much time. I mean, is there how 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 does it end if you're if you're Michigan? I mean, is there anything you can do other than just try to be at that same top four, top five level? Um, I mean, like, is there anything they could, like would winning? I know you. We've talked about how we don't we don't know the recruiting impact. I I mean, so, is there yeah. something you just kind of got to wait it out? I I. Because yeah, the talent gap—they have twenty-two more players from the top twenty-four-seven. You know, the top two hundred forty-seven players that that are that our good analysts do. That's an entire platoon. Right. That's, I mean, that's literally like a three a, deep instead of a two a, deep. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'll tell you what. I mean this this is the staff or this is the head coach that's going to do it if if anybody does do it for Michigan and. Because it's like every Saturday, you sit down, you see across the country, and you like you see these programs that keep recycling dudes and just trying new ang- – you know, it's like you look at programs like Miami, Florida State, all these programs. It's like – Texas. Texas. It's like Michigan is in a – they're not in nearly as bad of a spot nationally as people want to – like as the – vocal minority or whoever whether it's national vocal minority whoever like is nearly as bad a shape as people want to think they're in right the problem is is that their rival program is just yeah like like we said been that one program that really has just not ever been bitten by the either the bad luck or the bad hire or just the misfortune right so I think they're recruiting right now. They're recruiting at pretty much a high enough level to get in the conversation to make it a game and to win a few of them. And then that's where momentum can build. Right. I mean, that's, and that's really, like you said, like, and like I've said, I said it, uh, I think I was on uh, the MGO blog podcast and they scoffed at me like jokingly, but it's like I said, it's like, I don't know what, you know, the impact will be if they win. Cause I've never, I've never covered it. And recruiting is, and, and and this is makes it sound like even maybe even worse in a way, but recruiting has changed a lot since the last time Michigan really beat Ohio State. As far you know, as far as well, the same stuff, social media, all that type of stuff. It's like just that that the fervor you know of a Michigan win in this game, and and the tangible you know can that can that make an impact or can it push? you know, three or four kids that maybe wouldn't have gone to Michigan otherwise would it push them that direction, right? You know, and that's where, you know, that's where the gap could close even further because the talent gap is definitely closed 
under Harbaugh for sure. The really the thing is, and we t- I think it was your almost your opener. The difference at the end of the day, the difference in this game I feel like has been twofold. Ohio State usually has a better quarterback, and they usually have a better running game. You know, and that doesn't mean defense doesn't matter. It's just that's really what been the two the two biggest things have been is that Ohio State usually has a better quarterback, usually has a better running game. And uh, like I said, the gap is closed, but you know, it's I don't know. It's it's weird because I at the same time I don't know if Michigan and Ohio State. It's weird that I don't know if they're really battling. There are some guys, but for two schools that are as big a rivals as they are, I don't think they are head-to-head on the recruiting trail as often as people might think or would expect. Is that, is that because Ohio State would probably win most of the time? Uh, I don't necessarily think that's the case. It could, I don't know okay. like if you're saying that, Ohio, that Michigan is shies away from guys at Ohio State, you know, that Ohio State's going to get or whatever. I It's just, no, I think there's a really a – I always feel like Michigan's biggest rival in the recruiting trail, at least in the last two or three cycles. Notre is, Dame. Yeah, big time. I just – I don't even think it's close. I, just, I feel like Michigan and Notre Dame are up for the same guys, like, constantly. And, you know, I remember uh, – was it Dudek did the – was it the Bacon book? Dudek talked about the – balance of recruiting kids that could play at Alabama but could go to school at Stanford and I think they got some flack for that that is 1000 mm-hmm. percent the way that this staff is recruited 1000 percent you know the the guff they got for that was BS because it's totally true as far as the you know not every single kid but by and large those are the kind of guys they they kind of recruit uh, Ohio State, a little bit different. I mean, and I don't mean that negatively necessarily, just it's not the same type of guys. So that's what's interesting is I that's where I think Michigan, in a way, can maybe continue to close the gap without, you know, making it a Michigan versus Ohio State thing on the recruiting trail, if that makes sense. It's just a matter of continuing to win. And really, it's just, you know, we talk about recruiting and it's what I've done for how long. But it really always comes down to the same stuff. You win big games and you put kids in the pros. That's really all it comes down to, you know. And and so, if Michigan can win ten or eleven, and they put eight or nine kids in the pros, they're going to keep recruiting at a high enough level, in my opinion, to compete at the at the top of the conference. It's just a matter of getting over the hump. So yeah, yeah and so that's where I say they close the gap because Ohio State's always even like when Ohio State. Well, I say when they weren't good, but when they were, you know, I don't know, 10, 10 and 2 or whatever, like they're still, Ohio State's always going to recruit at a top 10 level and probably top 6, 7 level at worst just because the state of Ohio is quietly always very strong. And unless you are live in Cincinnati or... I mean, I don't even know. I know Cincinnati's maybe the one city in Ohio where it's not a lock that you're going to go to Ohio State. But uh, I'd say Toledo, right? I mean, yeah, sure, okay, sorry. That's I was I was trying to think. I knew there was somewhere else. Toledo was probably the other one, but that's basically because it was wasn't it historically part of Michigan, right? Isn't that the 
No, the yeah. border. I yeah. mean, right? No, I know, I know, I know. Why they're Michigan fans? Right. It's, it's because it's closer to Ann Arbor. But right. yeah, it's. But that's yeah, they, that's they close it. it down. They fenced the garden. Right. And Toledo, <laughs> I mean, there's they've gotten a couple. Toledo's not a high school powerhouse, but there are guys that come out of there. But by and large, though, you know, it's like there's kids that come out of. I was the kid in 2020, Ironton or Iron something like middle of nowheresville ohio who it's like it's not even and he was a, fi- a five-star linebacker i was a uh, cade stover i think he's a tw- i think he's a 2020 it might be a 2019 you know it's like done not even worth recruiting a kid like that because you already know where he's going and ohio and and that's the thing is ohio quietly it's not california it's not texas it's not florida it's not probably not even it's not really georgia but there are enough as far as they'll always have a foundation and then they've had enough of a winning record and enough of a winning tradition to where they can go national and get guys too, right? That's yeah, and Meyer, Meyer was a great national recruit. 100%. And that continues the that, you know, and that's yeah, and that's where for day, you know, that and that's why I said if you if he comes in and wins right away, that recruiting momentum is not going to go away as much as I think people thought it might. You know, it's like the urban who maybe pound for pound could have been the best head coach recruiter there's ever really been as far as a guy who knew, could close the deal, could sell the program. I mean, he was amazing at that. All you need is a guy, if you come in and win right away, like Day has, that momentum's not going to go away anytime soon because mm-hmm. they're going to keep, they're going to, you look at their roster right now, and that's the thing is like whether it's Myers to credit to Meyer for recruiting guys in the first place or day for coaching them up or whatever. It doesn't, that's irrelevant is that they're going to put like, you know, when Chase Young is drafted in the first top three in the top three picks of the draft next year, it's a Ryan day graphic that's going to be sent to, you know, other five-star guy to say, Hey, come play at Ohio state. We'll turn you into this guy, you know, and that's what, and that's where they've, uh, you know, that's where the, yeah, the momentum's going to be tough to stop in that regard. And that's why I think mm. for Michigan, I think it's more about, it is, it's, you know, it's not a, people hate to hear it, but it's really about chipping away and, and kind of slowly trying to close the gap. There's not going to be some overnight. I mean, here's the Michigan can come out and win. They could come out and win by three or four touchdowns on Saturday. And it's not going to like, you know, it's not going to flip the script overnight on the whole deal, mm-hmm. right? I, it's not going to happen. So it's going to be a process no matter how they approach it or no matter what really happens on the field right now, at, at least in my opinion. Okay. By the way, just because I pulled up the stats, I was I was just curious. Since the 2015 season began, Michigan is tied for seventh in wins among Power 5 schools. They trail Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, who is 59-6. and six. Since 2015, uh, Oklahoma and Wisconsin, I'm missing one, uh, and then and then margin of victory they're actually fifth. Oh, Georgia as well. Georgia's Georgia, 52 yeah, and 14. Georgia margin of victory, Michigan is actually fifth in in the last. Well, they're 47 and 16, so 63 games. They are behind only Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Pretty crazy. So. Pretty crazy, isn't it? I mean, imagine wanting to change direction 
You know, it's really, it's just that, uh, it's a higher mountain to climb than inpatient people are willing to maybe let it be. And I say that as somebody who, you know, last week we talked about if they win this game or not on Saturday, you know, I said, I think this season could still be viewed as maybe a little bit of a disappointment because I think they should have had legit big 10 title aspirations, but at the same the trophy t- case is pretty empty. Right. right now. But at the same yeah. time, you know, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not as you can't, I don't know. It take it's a, it is a process, man. That's one thing. It's actually one of the biggest things I've learned in covering, you know, in the main focus being the recruiting side of things is that, well, what I say, you know, I think we talked about Illinois is that, you know, you got to give a guy like Lovey Smith time and that's just to get him to six and four <laughs> really though. And you know, I know it's the same thing nationally. It's not, you can't just snap your fingers. You can't snap your fingers and just expect things to change, you know? And, and that's why I said, yeah, what would you say? Fifth in margin of victory. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. I mean, that's, I get it. I get the criticisms, but geez, they're on the precipice, right? It's just got to finish. It's really what it comes down to. Yep. All right. So last one, let's, let's, let's convey that one. Early keys to this game. So we'll we'll have a lot more on, you know, maybe some of the key storylines, some of the position groups. I do I do a lot of those written previews. Thank you for everyone that reads them. Uh, I won't take yours. I'll I'll go with Michigan's offense. They got to run the football better. They you know I I understand that Shea Patterson has thrown for 750 yards and nine touchdowns in the last two games. That's that's really impressive. Really, really impressive. I mean, if he did that all year, you know, there might be a spot for him in New York, right? But they have got to be better at running the football. And it, it's been quietly, I mean, again, they, they've blown out their past two opponents. And I think there's always the caveat, well, if they ran for 300 yards on Notre Dame, can they do it against other teams? I don't know if that's true. I don't know that that is true. They averaged three yards per carry against... Indiana, which I do not think Indiana's run defenses. Now they 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 seem to want to stack the box. They seemed they seemed adamant about stopping the run and hoping the weather would throw Patterson and the passing game off. But still, it's gonna be some crummy weather again next Saturday. There's gonna looks like there's gonna be rain and snow. We're not gonna you know even if there's not though, they have to be able to run the football. I think that's. That's Penn State's downfall. That was, I mean, they really stonewalled Wisconsin's run game a little bit. But you you just, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think Shea Patterson can throw 35 times in this game and Michigan can expect to win. I just, I don't don't see that being a successful formula. Um, You know, I think the, the run blocking can improve. I think the running backs, you know, have have left a little bit to be desired the past two games. That's not to say, you know, they can't turn it around and they haven't had good seasons. They have two two freshmen that are their running backs. But if you're looking at these last two games, which were more or less perfect games, I do kind of look when it when it when it's a team like Ohio State, they're gonna exploit Michigan's weaknesses. And the past two weeks, the weakness has been the run game. 
So I don't know if that's my number one key, but that's something something I'm very much keeping an eye on. I think people have done the stats that the team that runs better wins like pretty much every time <laughs> in between these two teams. And, and I think a lot of people know the stat that when Michigan uh, only won of Michigan, two of Michigan's losses under Harbaugh out of the 16, did they run for more than three yards a carry? So it's a big deal. It's, it's, it's significant. You know, Shea Patterson helps balance it out a little bit, gives Ohio state something to think about, but I think they're going to have to, they're going to have to carry the rock at least a little bit more. Steve, what's your, what's your early key? Uh, I mean, it's on the other side. I go back to the running the ball that we just talked about. What's peculiar about the whole thing is how well they ran the ball against Notre Dame in a situation where you knew they would have to run the ball. There was not the threat, not the threat, but there was no, you knew there there was not going to be 30 pass attempts in that weather. And I mean, where would we put Notre Dame in the front sevens they've taken on this year? So they actually don't statistically check out. They don't. Great okay, that's against what, the run. That's what I wondered. Good against the pass. Good, good pass rush. Not amazing against the run. Sure. Not Penn State. Not Wisconsin. Not sure. Ohio State. Okay. All right. Good to know. Still, a game where they had to be almost. You were almost forced to be one dimensional, and they still. You know, I. I kind of feel like they've just taken what the defense has given them when you talk about Michigan State and Indiana as far as like you said teams that maybe stack the box or you know push the box a little bit further make them throw the football make Patterson beat him and he's done it but I also I'm not disagreeing with your main point though I mean they're gonna have to it's gonna have to be more effective on Saturday if they have any chance because Ohio State's back four is much more athletic than Definitely their last two teams they played, no doubt. Well, they're not going to have as much time to, right. to throw that, the ball. That too, By the way, that too, obviously. Real quick, I looked it up. Notre Dame is 50th in the country in yards per carry allowed. Okay. 50th. So behind Indiana, behind um, yeah. Iowa, behind Wisconsin, behind Penn State, behind Michigan State, behind uh, Ohio State. Ohio State is tied for third. Okay. They're just behind Penn State, allowing 2.93. So... That's not to discount the fact that they ran for 300 yards in a situation where everyone knew they were going to run the ball. But but certainly, no, that's they're going to have to bring it. Yeah, Good statistical backup there. So I wondered because, you know, Notre Dame was a top 10 team at the time and they basically just ran it down their throats all game. So the funny, you know, Ohio State not really played against, and Levis, their backup for Penn State, actually was pretty effective that, and they've, Broadcasters mentioned last week, and I noticed too, is like Ohio State's not really had to play many teams that have a quarterback who is any kind of dual threat or a guy that could run the football. I mean, I guess you could say Adrian Martinez for Nebraska, but I mean, Nebraska for the most part has been horrible this year, so it's kind of hard to throw him in there. But either way, my my, my biggest point is on the other side of the ball. I mean, we talked about it a thousand times already. It's like, yeah, I think you got to stop J.K. Dobbins, you got to slow down their running game. We talk about the athletes they have on the outside and whether Michigan's third corner can cover Ohio State's third best wide receiver, blah, blah, blah. You know, no. I, I really think this. the biggest thing is is that you got it. I think the biggest – you talk about cutting the head off the dragon. To me, Dobbins is the dragon. 
He is the guy that makes all of this work for them. And again, I mean, their offensive line is a part of that too, but I'm saying like, he is the guy, he's the key. He opens everything else up. His effectiveness opens up that entire offense. Because if they can't get anything going in the middle, running the ball up the middle, or, or just giving him the football and him getting six, seven to carry, I think they suffer greatly. And I think they become very beatable. Because that's been the key. That's been the key component in every game for them this year. He's been effective in every game. Now I know Fields has too, but the biggest thing when I watch them is it is run first. It is establish the run first. Because then you again we talked about it before. It's all about making the linebackers think. It's all about getting that second level to make a decision. Because they do have the athletes on the outside to make you pay if that split second is devoted to stopping the stopping the run. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I just <laughs> it's not gonna change when we talk on Wednesday, I'll tell you that. Because I, I really do. I think it's about it's about slowing him down. Will they? I don't know if there's like a, you know, are they gonna fully dominate him? No, I don't think so. But it's it's about just doing enough. Because I, I I do I think this comes down I think for Michigan you'd rather tip your cap to Fields beating you in the air than letting them run the ball all over you all game. That's I I just better athletes or not. I just I think that's what Michigan is going to hang their hat on. And you know, like I said, people continue to talk about the crossing routes and all that stuff last year. Maybe they'll try it again. I think Michigan's better, like we talked about earlier, better equipped to handle that stuff. And I do think that Michigan's cognizant of it. But I think you have to stop Dobbins. And then the other thing too, and this happened on Saturday for Penn State, is if Michigan gets in those third and long situations and Ohio State runs four or five wide somebody's got to spy fields. I mean, there were too many. There were two or three obvious quarterback draws where Penn State had nobody. And then they finally adjusted in the second half, had like a, I think it was Jan Johnson, finally kind of cheated off a little bit and then came and then blitzed in the middle and made the play and finally slowed that down. But, I mean, he gained probably 45, 50 yards on on a couple of those plays where they had nobody there. You know, the the guards would just push out wide and open up the entire middle of the field for him on, like, third and, like, 11 or third and 12. You know, and, and that's, again, that's part of what you know makes them so dangerous, why they're so good, because they have an athlete at quarterback where third and 12 doesn't mean you have to drop back and throw the football, right? That That's, right. that's a weapon in itself. So I do. I think it's about stopping the running game, and that's where Dwumfor, Kemp, McGrone, Glasgow, I mean, those guys are of the utmost importance because you've got to slow that down if you want any chance. If, if Dobbins gets going, honestly, forget about it. I don't think they'll have much of a chance if he gets going early, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. By the way, for those curious, I'm going to double-check this and I'll have a story about it, but it's either Michigan or Utah is number one against the run since October began. So... Uh, you know, they've, they've shut a lot of good run, rushing offenses down. I, I listed them all off earlier in the podcast. So we shall see. We shall see. We'll have a, another preview podcast, maybe a part two, maybe a little bit more game specific. This was kind of broad where the two programs are. But Michigan-Ohio State, 
should be a fun week of coverage. We'll hear from Jim Harbaugh players on Monday, more players on Tuesday, uh, some assistant coaches on Wednesday. We'll have lots of coverage, trying to keep you informed for the big week. And as we mentioned, biggest week of the season, not even close, uh, especially without without a Big Ten title or a, or a playoff appearance in the cards. This, this is it. This is it for Michigan. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you later on this week.